In the name of Jesus, amen. I shared a moment of community with a stranger at the Y the other day. It was actually in the parking lot of the Y. I was there, I was looking for a spot, and uh, a guy had come up uh, way too close in a Nissan Pathfinder right, right behind me. Uh, how do I know that he was too close? Uh, because I backed into him. I backed into him because I had stopped and another guy was coming out of a spot and I put mine in reverse to let him out and I, and I backed right into him. Now, of course, as you may have guessed, he was not way too close. It was completely my fault. But the first thing that popped into my mind when I smacked into him What popped into my mind involuntarily, reflexively, is not my fault, way too close, what a jerk. Uh, Now, while I'm thinking that, uh, this guy is laying on his horn like four times after I had already hit him, which makes me think, really? And confirms my estimation that this guy is a great big jerk. So I jump out of my car, as does he, and then I took a deep breath. And realize something, the obvious, that it was totally my fault. He jumped out, you hit me! Then he took a deep breath too, saw not a scratch on his vehicle, realized his involuntary reflexive quadruple honking had been completely unnecessary and over the top, and we had a moment of community. Aren't we a couple of hothead idiots? Now, he didn't actually say that, but I'm pretty sure we were thinking it as we shook hands, patted each other on the back, no longer separated into parties, the hitter and the honker party, but bound into one common party, the tend to fly off the handle and be defensive party. <laughs> it was kind of nice, that, that meeting, a gift. Just a couple of strangers in the parking lot at the Y united by the recognition that we, albeit in different ways, had been unnecessarily, reflexively jerky. From our gospel lesson, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said of old to those, or said of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Those words from a gospel lesson are probably pretty familiar to a lot of you. They're from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, what some call the very heartbeat of the the ethic of Jesus, the kind of stuff that uh, we ought to be doing if what we are doing is following Jesus. And well, this part of Jesus' sermon lays bare all our attempts to create a two-party system when it comes to people and God, and instead places all of us, all of us firmly into the unnecessarily jerky, but by the grace of God we are all lost, so dividing up into parties is ridiculous party. Pretty easy to see what's going on here, what's been going on, what goes on, and what Jesus is preaching against, so it stops going on. You've heard it said of old, do not murder. Fifth commandment, you know that. You may not also recognize it's prime fodder for the two-party maker. Murderers over there on the lectern side, non-murderers, you can stay here on the pulpit side, closer to me. (laughs) 
You've heard it said of old, you shall not commit adultery. Sixth commandment, same deal. All those of you who slept with someone you're not married to, lectern side, managed to avoid that so far, find a seat in the pulpit side. A nice two-party system. Different sides of the aisle. And what a great system it is. At least if you're sitting on the pulpit side and so get to pat yourself on the back and honk four times at the deviants on the other side of the aisle. Well, it's great, of course, until Jesus messes it up. You've heard this. Uh, a paraphrase of, of, of his words, stop using my commandments for your parties, he says. You think it's all a matter of just not shooting someone or avoiding sleeping with the wrong people? Please. If that's all God was after, he would have just had you lock yourself in the closet. Can't commit adultery or kill in there. No, all those commandments, they're commentary. And the one big one, love God and your neighbor with all your heart and you crazy people. Do you know what you're not doing? When you look at the beautiful creature God has loved from forever and call him a moron or worse? Here's a clue. It's the same thing you're not doing when you even look at one of my beautiful beloved children and think, ooh la la, how I'd like to have that one in the closet with me. Get it? Yes. So how about peeling your hypocritical rears off your lectern side pew, go shake hands with your fellow deviants on the other side and have a moment of honest community in the but by the grace of God we're all lost so dividing up into parties is ridiculous party. Thus saith the Lord Jesus. In Matthew chapter 5 and pretty much everywhere else Jesus is not much for our two-party system and kind of messes with them whatever they they pop up. Two parties, different sides of an aisle, not an unintentional choice of words on your pastor's part. That two parties. Two parties is something a group of area pastors pondered this week at our monthly monthly lunchtime confabulation. We actually pondered the two-party systems, plural. Uh, We pondered how we as pastors in a presidential election year, did you know it's a presidential election year? I bet you did. (laughs) How we as pastors might shepherd our people so that their participation in a political two-party system, I know there's other parties, but you know what I mean, How do we shepherd ourselves and our people so that our participation in a political two-party system doesn't become an instance of that other two-party system Jesus is less fond of? The one that divides us into goodies and baddies and in doing so makes us hypocrites and mean and condescending and dismissive, you moron, or worse. Dismissive of eternally beloved children of God and the other party who sits somewhere else from us. You see what we've noticed about ourselves first, these pastors, but then others too, and you've noticed it also, is that politics has become increasingly corrosive to our souls. And for a lot of people, political engagement, which these days for most means consuming TV, radio, online stuff they agree with, and then posting about it on social media to fellow uh, agreeers, party members. 
For most, political engagement does not lead to folks loving God and neighbors more, but less. And in many instances leads them, us, to say things and think things and be things that should not be said or thought or been. Just a little example. The other day I was talking with someone who's telling me about a, a, a dinner at a restaurant he'd had with, with someone. It was someone he just met recently as a neighbor. And prior to this dinner, they'd only really shared neighborly niceties. They're trying to get to know one another. So they go out to dinner. And the first thing the guy says is like literally the first thing is, let's just get this out of the way first, Republican or Democrat. Now, evidently, the guy I know answered correctly since the neighbor responded, good. Well, this will be a pleasant evening then. <laughs> and maybe there were a couple chuckles with that said, but I really don't think it was meant as a joke, which is very sad. But not surprising, because even if we would not be so blunt about it, we all get what's going on there and have our own ways of trying to figure out what party someone belongs into so we can pigeonhole them and decide whether we should invite them over to dinner. So what do you do about something like that, about the two-party political system becoming the other, we're good, you're not kind? Well, in the wisdom of the clerical confabulation, we came up with some ideas, things like committing to prayer every day before you pick up your smartphone. Might be hard to do, but a good idea. Or above that, maybe a Lenten social media and news fast altogether. Whoa, that would be a good idea too. Good, right, and salutary for all of us to do. We had some other ideas that I I may or may not share sometime also, but short of those, after my little instance the other day, uh, I thought maybe this would be helpful. How about heading over to the parking lot at the Y, Pop your car into reverse and ram into a Nissan Pathfinder. (laughs) Or get rammed by by, by me not paying attention. And then lay on your horn four times in a fit of self-righteous, totally over-the-top rage. That is, reflexively, fly off the handle, jump to conclusions, be unnecessarily, involuntarily jerky, and so reveal to yourself... That's why those moments, why I brought up that thing in the parking lot, we all have these sorts of moments, someone cuts you off in traffic, wrongs you somehow, and the way we just involuntarily, the the rage bubbles up, they're gifts, because they reveal in a small, palatable way the heart we usually hide under all sorts of justifications. So maybe go in and just fly off the handle and reveal to yourself what really makes you tick, so you can once again punch your card into the one... But by the grace of God, we're all lost, so dividing up into parties is ridiculous. Party. That unites you in an insoluble bond with every human being since Adam and Eve. Who, by the way, were the progenitors of the two-party system. Moron, you ate the apple. She says, fool, you were standing right there. Why didn't you say something? See, two parties. Which is what Jesus is all about with his, but I say to use in his sermon. He's not out to make us feel bad. Oh my goodness, an adulterer, a murderer. 
He's showing us our law-breaking hearts. He's showing us what we're really up to with our party-making and how it's making us mean and hypocritical and probably scared, too. Scared that someone will find out something ugly about us and then kick us out of the party. Friends, Jesus is showing us our hearts ultimately so that he can show us his. So that he can show you a heart that beats for you. Yes, by Jesus counting, it turns out we're all adulterers and murderers. But it also turns out that Jesus parties with, you guessed it, adulterers and murderers. And more than that, it turns out it's the only party in town. So we can drop the two-party nonsense, load our plates with a heaping pile of forgiveness for unnecessary jerkiness, and go back for seconds, thirds, fourths, and fifths for a love that covers a multitude of you morons uttered by and at you. It's one big party, this party of Jesus. One big party of honkers and hitters, adulterers, murderers, progressives, conservatives, bound together in our desperate need for the grace, welcome, mercy, the heavenly citizenship Jesus gives and gives freely and without distinction. One big party that makes attending any other party sound like not much fun. And one more thing. (laughs) I said the pastoral confabulation came up with a bunch of ideas. One of the other ones that they suggested was committing to a a meal, maybe once a a month or or better, once a, a week, with someone from the other side of the aisle. Likely a good idea. It's a lot harder to call someone a moron um, face-to-face than it is on Facebook, especially once you're, you're hearing the story of how they came to have the, the views they do. So meals together once a week, a very good idea. So good, in fact, Jesus came up with a similar idea himself about 2,000 years ago. <laughs> In a few minutes, like we do every week, you will share a meal. A small but very significant bread and wine meal with a very diverse group of people. Yes, with the people next to you in the pews who, believe it or not, have some ideas about some things that are both very important and very different from yours. But even more than that, since the body and blood you will receive is the one body and one blood of the one Jesus... Whether you receive it here at this church or across a church or at a church across the street or across the ocean or across the millennia, since it's all one body, well, you are having dinner with a very, very diverse group of people. Folks who have been and are part of lots of very different parties. But here united. United into the butt by the grace of God, we are all lost. So dividing up into parties is ridiculous party. Welcomed to the party of Jesus, the body of the risen Christ, which is the greatest party of all. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.